movies, there's one angel that's my favorite. And it's from the Madeline Langle book, A Wind in the Door, which is a sequel to A Wrinkle in Time, which probably more of you have heard of than A Wind in the Door. Um, because that angel is a ball of dragon wings and a thousand eyes made of all different colors that wherever it goes, people are shocked by it and can't understand what they're seeing. It's my favorite angel because it's the only one that seems to me to make sense of what happens every single time an angel shows up in the Bible, which is that one of the first two things it says has to be, do not be afraid. <laughs> I just can't uh, buy that angels were these um, soft, well-lit figures with beautiful wings if every single time someone sees them, they have to say to them, don't freak out. <laughs> There's something mysterious and extraordinary about angels. Um, and every time they appear in the scriptures too, something else happens, which is that the angels are there to be messengers of some kind, messengers of hard or incredible or extraordinary truths. That's why they show up so much in the Christmas story, right, is that they arrive to people who are experiencing something that cannot be believed, and they say, believe it. I promise from God that this is true. The one who has been promised has come. Your baby will be a king. Things can and will be different. The truths they bring are life-changing and world-changing, but they're also hard, hard truths. And so they make sure that the people they're talking to, the shepherds and Mary, can hear them by preparing them to not be afraid, by repeating what they say. They do not leave until their message is not only heard, but understood in a way that people can ponder on for years and years to come. Angels are not easy or well-lit or simple, but they tell the truth. And that's how we know that they come from God. This whole month of Advent, we have been looking at the transformational values offered to us by the nonprofit Crossroads during our anti-racism audit and seeing the ways that those values come from the gospel and can change our lives in a world that often teaches us the opposite instinct of transformation. A world that teaches us to always keep things the same and to be afraid and to not accept anything as strange or extraordinary as an angel or a Christ. And those four transforming values are moving from either or to both and, moving from uh, individualism to cooperation and collaboration. And today, wait, I'm missing one. Yeah, sorry, okay guys, my brain, oh, oh, it's the holidays. Moving from scarcity to abundance and today's, which is moving from secrecy to transparency, right? Moving from our addiction to secrecy to the angel's call to transparency. And so the way that we're living into that in person is by having our representatives here on Wicker Park from the anti-racism team here. The anti-racism team is an all-site initiative, yes. And they're gonna share with you a little bit of the work that they're doing and of what has been truthful and hard and awesome and strange about it so that we can be as transparent as we can with you about what we've been doing and about how you can be a part of it. 
So with that, I'm just going to moderate, and I will hand it over to Sarah Suzuki, Caleb Butler, and Sanjay Kumar, your Wicker Park anti-racism team. And before we get started, um, for those of you who are uh, like to read things, and like that's a way that you learn, um, we have these uh, anti-racism mandates that have been approved by the vision team, I believe, um, and they're like so they're like what we're doing as a as an organization. And yeah, and Sarah and Rachel, if you raise your hand, they'll give them to you. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, that's much better. Great. Um, okay, so we wanted to get started and uh, take the opportunity as we're talking about transparency and secrecy to be transparent with you all about what the anti-racism team has been up to. So hopefully there will be slides behind me at some point. Yeah. <laughs> all right, great. Um, is that legible? Good. Um, and so we want to give like three quick updates because um, I don't know if you all have been here before or if this is your first time, but just to give a little history that Hannah mentioned that we did an audit and that was about a year long process, maybe 18 months process, where we um, surveyed a lot of people in the church. We looked at who makes decisions and how decisions are made and who has power and um, how information is shared, um, hence the transparency and secrecy topic. But uh, we did all this as an audit, uh, partnering with an organization in Chicago that we've mentioned called CROAR or Crossroads, um, and they specialize in doing this and helping churches and helping organizations um, move towards more anti-racist values. And so we did that for about a year in this church, and we came out with eight recommendations about how we could um, change things and how we can try to be more inclusive. We say that we're an inclusive church, and we say we're for everybody, and um, part of that means trying to be, become more anti-racist. Um, and so, so out of that work, we developed a new team of people within Wicker Park and also the three other sites to implement the findings from the audit. So we're going to run through a couple of things that we've been up to in the last um, six to eight months. Does that sound right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. Um, so the first thing that we wanted to clarify is that we're not up here to tell you that we're doing the work for the church. <laughs> um, we're not the people that are experts or the people that are charged with making Urban Village become more anti-racist. What we want to do is facilitate that work and help push um, the way that we think about things and the way decisions are made. And we want to um, live out the values that we're talking about this month and um, let, those, let those become part of the life of how we do church and how we make decisions and, and um, engage with each other and listen to each other. So we just wanted to make that clear up front that we're not up here to say we're doing all this work and we're going to tell you how great we're, do, we're doing or how much we're doing for you, that we want to invite everybody to be a part of this work. And we, we just want that to like become a part of our life. Um, so the first thing I wanted to say is that uh, a big part of our work has been building a team. And so uh, we've been writing a charter, which is like basically our ground rules and for how we're going to live out our values. Because our, our thinking is that if we don't live out the anti-racist values that we're talking about, how can we expect the rest of the church to? So part of our job has been to um, try to become a, a team who, uh, a team that like lives out our values and, and in, in the way that we interact with each other on a team, on a team level. Um, and we've also been trying to build connections with leaders in the church. So we're having uh, meetings with church leaders like the worship team or the hospitality team or social justice team or all these different um, 
teams, we want to start having conversations about what we believe and how, how we can um, become more anti-racist, um, kind of like through the different parts of the, of the church. Um, what's the last part I wanted to say? Oh, that we're also trying to, we're realizing that part of uh, doing this work means doing a lot of internal work. And uh, so we're gonna get into that more later, but we're realizing that, uh, I mean, we've known, but being anti-racist means um, be, being honest and accountable about um, like our own stuff and the way that we internalize um, the like oppressive racist systems that we that we inhabit in this world. Um, yeah, so I'll hand it off to Sanjay. Great. Yeah. Um, so the so the second recommendation, or I guess it's, this is the first like recommendation that we're that we're focusing on in the first like year or two. Um, like right now and, and have been over the last six months is about accountability to communities of color and to people of color uh, within our community. So we've been doing that in a couple different ways and one, one really, really cool thing about this work is that uh, we already sort of in the church, we have like justice and outreach teams that are like, and service teams that are doing really amazing work and just like thinking about how can we like move those, those partnerships into doing more work with communities of color in a way that's like accountable and uh, so rather than us like coming and being like we're gonna like help things we like are in relationship and like are able to communicate about what like what our needs are and our abilities are with each other and like work in collaboration so that's something that's really cool a couple of things that um, have happened in the last like in the last six months uh, around this uh, so we did we did a, a neighborhood walking tour that Juan Pablo led he's not here this morning well um yeah and that so that was in like the logan square wicker park area and that was a way for us to kind of get to know our neighborhood especially since this is one this is a neighborhood that's going under a lot of transition that and that's something that does <coughs> have like that ha is not is um part of the way that the world works and is not anti-racist and, and often has really negative effects on communities of color um and we're going to be kind of echoing that and having similar sorts of walking tours at all of the sites, um, so all four UVC sites. So that's gonna be really cool. Um, another thing that we have been doing, and this is something that the discipleship team has been really taking lead on, is we've been having movie nights, which is a really great way for people to learn more about like different perspectives, um, and, and they're around different, different like intersecting parts of the identities that we have, um, both within the church and without the church, or yeah. within the church and outside of the church. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the th where we're going with that. I think in moving forward, a lot of it is going to be um, kind of empowering the justice and outreach and service teams that we already have to be um, to to do that work even more and even better and even more anti-racist. And, and I'm going to pass it over to Sarah to talk about transformational values. Hopefully, this is working. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it's great. So transformational values, we've been really intentional about um, structuring our sermon series around the transformational values uh, to share with our membership this month, because this is uh, more than just sort of a set of like, oh, these are nice things that we should have and do and value, um, but it's actually a tool of analysis. And we're using it to, um, to add in like a new level of depth and understanding to our structures in um, different leadership groups. So one really wonderful example of this in the past year has been with SPRC. And we did a training on transformational values with them and they're now using that to um, inform sort of like a, a meeting by meeting analysis of to what extent 
Yeah. Oh, staff parish relations. It's basically relations HR of the church. So like HR when I took church. a maternity leave, they planned it, right? If weird stuff happened between our people or our staff members, which thank goodness doesn't happen a whole lot, they would help us like move forward from that in a healthy way for everybody. Thank you for clarifying that too. <laughs> um, so, uh, so which is, I mean, that's really important because we're, like, we're looking at like HR, staffing, personnel. Um, you know, even how we're being stewards of our budget. So it's a really important um, committee. And um, they've really taken on using the transformational values to say like, how are we processing through things? How are we um, focusing on collective results? Um, and we're hoping to introduce that framework to a number of the different teams and leadership groups um, at UVC. Um, so, one of the things that I love about looking at Jesus's anti-racist journey is um, how many different styles and tactics he employs, right? So there's Jesus who challenges institutions with confrontation, right? When he flips a table and is like, no. <laughs> but there's also self-reflective Jesus who's like, ooh, this lives out of me too, when he uses a racist slur with the Syrophoenician woman and then turns around. It takes all kinds and it takes all kinds of journeys um, and we're all in a different place and we're all growing together. And one of the things that I've loved about walking with you guys on your journey in this team is how um, you have all really tried to live out these values personally as well as institutionally. So I think I'm curious, what have you learned from your experience about your own journey from secrecy to transparency? What has that meant to you? All right, um, so I've been thinking about this question some this week, and I've realized that um, often I've been somebody who hears this in, in church life or in other organizational, other places, you know, like school or work or whatever. I'm somebody who other people will come up and say, uh, not everybody knows this yet, but, or like, well, this isn't really public information yet, but, and they'll tell me, and I'm, I, I, I'm noticing that I'm somebody I think because of the way I look, because I'm a white person, because I'm a white man, like often people assume I'm trustworthy or assume like I have the same values that they have or especially um, in different organizations, like people like look at people who look like me and say, oh, they belong here. And so I can tell them and like they'll, they'll be trustworthy or I can like give them information that maybe other people shouldn't know yet. Um, and I'm realizing that I'm somebody that, that gets a lot of that kind of information or has throughout my life. Um, and that's secrecy. That's you know, that's not a transparent organization. That's how, that's how a lot of organizations function, though, right? Or like, that's how a lot of information is passed. Um, and we can extend that to like what kind of jobs are available to people, or like um, different opportunities that lead to economic opportunities, or things like that. So we know that the world works that way often, and I've benefited from that. And I'm realizing as somebody who wants to live out more anti-racist practice and wants to be a part of a church who is instilling these values, um, to move from secrecy to transparency, um, I really have to, have to like shift that or push back against that. And um, if I wanna see us become more transparent, if I wanna see uh, the world become a more transparent place, that means I have to trust the other values we've been talking about. Like, there's an abundance of resources, there's an abundance of talent, there's an abundance of um, perspectives and ideas and when people are secret about it, they're like, well, if we don't do it, nobody else will. Or we gotta do it our way, or it's not gonna get done the right way. Um, and often that means like people who look like me making the decisions and getting the information. And so being transparent means I gotta trust that uh, we have an abundance of talent. We have an abundance of 
ideas and um, perspectives and experiences. And that means that we, to be more inclusive and to be more anti-racist, we gotta, we gotta bring people in and trust that we can hold that information collectively and that we can uh, make decisions more collectively and more transparent. Um, so that's something I've been thinking about. So um, I was just saying, I felt like going into this teamwork that I was pretty aware of external systems and I felt pretty woke and self-congratulatory about that. Um, but where I had to really get honest with myself was the level of complete um, lack of awareness I had about my own internalization um, of oppression as a person of color. Um, and it's interesting, being an Asian American individual, how I had to notice, especially in our team process, how one of the ways that I engaged in secrecy is I'd be sitting um, in not just a meeting with the anti-racism team, but how I noticed in other kinds of groups that I could be sitting there quietly experiencing anger or feeling that something needed to change and I would just be silent. And I had to really think back to all of the occasions in my life where I had just been sitting there silently because this was sort of a training, like a lesson that I had, that I had to sort of like keep my head down so that I could be okay. And the, the problem with that stance, again, as an Asian American person, is that that ends up hurting all people of color, especially people who are black. And so I had to really get transparent with the group and honest about how my stance of just sort of, I mean, even talking about this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. Because one of the lessons that my family passed down, you know, for multiple generations is like, just be quiet, do really well, and then you're gonna be okay. You're not gonna be like everybody else who's a minority. And so that still feels really hard to come forward and say like, wow, I really have benefited from secrecy and I'm gonna commit to not doing that. One thing, um, and this is like personal, political, institutional, one thing I say a lot in premarital counseling or like when I do couples counseling, also to myself because we all have problems, right? Is that a lot of people think that swallowing the conflict will make it go away. And something that I'll often say to people is like, um, it is actually harmful to your partner for you to not say <laughs> what is hard for you in the moment because it's gonna come out eventually, like it's, it's, it's gonna create pain eventually. Um, and the earlier and the more honest we can be about it, the better. And, and I've been thinking about that a lot organizationally. Like, why is it easy for me to see that interpersonally, but then organizationally I somehow think it's more true, that if we keep that away, then people won't get mad about it, right? Or if we keep that away, then it won't hurt people. Um, if the same thing is true as a community as is true one-on-one, -on -one, which is that the more honesty about things earlier on tends to be better. Yeah. Um, so for me, so... I have a little bit of a different kind of process when it comes to moving from um, secrecy to transparency. So I'm like I'm like a millennial Gen Z cusp. So I kind of was raised on social media and a lot of and from a very early age, a lot of my social interactions were um, on these in in these like websites that like really want you to like overshare. So I'm like very used to like being open and sharing on like the platforms that I use. Um, but one thing that I've been learning is uh, not everyone like gets gets information the same way as I do. Not everyone's using like the same social media platform or reading the same newsletters. Um, so for me, the, the process of becoming more transparent um, is a lot more thinking about 
and asking people like, what's the best way for you to have access to this information? How can I make this not just something that's like available somewhere if you know how to look, but actually like in people's lives where people can see it. Um, so that's why we're like, we have these mandates printed <laughs> out in addition to like, to like emailing them and having, having it on, um, on Facebook or a newsletter or something like that. Uh, so that's kind of my process there. Thank you. Um, one challenge for me as I was trying to figure out secrecy and transparency is that uh, part of my life and my job is that I hear a lot of things that I should keep confidential, right? Um, that people's pain or their divorces or their histories aren't necessarily things that everybody has, should have access to. And so I had to really start to divide up for myself what is privacy and what is secrecy <laughs> and try and figure out what those buckets were. And it took me being intentional every time I wanted to keep something back, saying to myself, why? And if I could come up with a good reason, then I would. But if I couldn't, then I was like, oh, this is just secrecy working itself out in me. What are the challenges that the art has faced about living in transparency? What benefits us as a church even when you face those challenges regarding transparency? So we faced some significant challenges. Um, and again, so I'm a therapist and I will like run groups and start groups and that kind of stuff. I've seen this kind of stuff show up in groups. Um, and we were doing this like group formation and uh, we had a lot of things on our to-do list this year because we really wanted to get everything implemented as quickly as possible. And as we're going through this process of writing our team charter, it became apparent that a lot of us had I think unspoken sorts of expectations about what the purpose of our group would be and why and, and how we would sort of uh, be stewards of our resources to the membership. Um, but we weren't necessarily talking about that and instead what started to happen is we all started to kind of react to things that we didn't really know. There was a lot of um, just sort of mystery that was uh, among all of us individually and as a collective. And so this involved making this really pivotal choice. We could either kind of continue with our default mode of like, let's just get the charter done, let's get it out, let's print it. Um, or we could slow down and say like, what's happening with us? And like, where are we like, uh, where are we doing things that are maybe not being good stewards of like our commitment to being anti-racist ourselves? And so for us, this looked like actually doing um, caucusing which involves uh, having two, uh, two different groups where it's white people and people of color who meet privately to kind of talk about what's showing up for them. And then coming back together and then saying, Here's, here are our commitments to one another as a group. And we really slowed down everything to do this, even though all of us felt that sense of urgency to like, we have to get this done, we have to get this done. Um, but we really pulled back because we came from this place of, if we can't create an anti-racist process within our group, then how can we be facilitative to the church? Um, so it was, it was a huge, huge challenge and we saw it through and um, feel really, really good about the charter that we have today because of that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, is there anything burning on any of your hearts that you wanna share? in the effort of being transparent to all kinds of things that might come up as you're speaking. Okay, then I wanna let you know a couple ways you can get involved. Oh, Brian has something. That's, you got it. 
that's where we're going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, so a couple ways you can get involved immediately are joining that anti-racism training from January 24th to 26th. That will also prepare you to be a caucus leader um, and to do some of the site work. Uh, and we're gonna be doing a parents anti-racism group January and February where uh, we have a, a group coming in to kind of teach us how do you talk to your kids about race to raise the next generation, so if you're interested in that. Um, and we're gonna be starting to use some of our grant money. We've been doing these movie and discussion nights, um, but we also have scholarships for people to a couple of our upcoming conferences, including our marriage retreat. And we're gonna be starting to invite in some guest worship leaders from other traditions and experiences than our own in order to kind of challenge us in that arena. And so if you have ideas about who those people might be, let us know. But then for the next year of the art, where do you see things going? Um, real quick, I just wanted to add that the first training that Emma also mentioned is really important for the life of our church. Um, our partner organization, Crossroads, really, really wants as many people as possible to uh, participate in these two and a half day trainings. We realize it's a big commitment of time and resources. We have scholarships available, and so um, that that link is on social media, I believe, or the yeah. The registration link is, if you need the scholarship information, please reach out to us. Um, but they really want that to even be able to participate in caucusing, like we mentioned, where you break into two groups. Um, even to even have that shared language, that same shared analysis, it's really important to go through that weekend retreat. And so we realize it's a big commitment, but also we have resources to support you in that. Um, and we really invite you to do that. January, if at all possible, if you're interested, let us know. Also, there's one coming up in April as well. Um, so I just wanted to add that, that it is kind of important to having a shared language. Um, some other things that are coming up uh, soon-ish, we don't know the exact date yet, but there's gonna be an Ascend conference early next year. Um, so if you are um, in any sort of, a leader in any sort of ministry in the church, um, that's like, it's a, a time for us to get together and um, and like learn things and like, Sharpen our sharpen our skills, and one of the things that's going to be there is going. There's going to be a transformational values workshop that's talking about how we can apply these values that we've been talking about um, over the last month and as part of the audit uh, to. Well, yeah, we're, um, to like live that out as as a leader in the church, um, and then and then also we're going to be um, different different teams. We're going to be coordinating with them and fo a, a lot of focus on. Um, Building new partnerships with communities of color, specifically like organizations that are led by that are led by anti-racist people of color in um, our community. So, if you like are familiar with and know organizations that um, you think it would be really good for us to partner with, um, you can talk to to one of us. You can also uh, to Justice. And that's what I was, yeah. So that's the internal work. If you'd like to be involved in external work, our current partner is the Community Renewal Society, which is doing incredible justice work around the city. And all of those issue teams are open right now. So that's in our e-news, it's on our Facebook, but I can also talk to you about it in person. And I learned today, we'll have it printed out next Sunday so you can look at it. There's an issue team on police accountability that's putting forward some city legislation about police accountability in the city of Chicago. There's an issue team on housing. What is affordable housing gonna look like in the state of Illinois? And there's an issue team on a just economy and jobs. And so if any of you want to be on those issue teams, want to work on moving things forward with our churches, nonprofits, um, and partners, uh, you can do that. And it's really, really important work. And even if you've never, ever done it before, um, there are folks who want to make that accessible to you and want you to try it out. So we'll be assisting you in that.
that's all that's coming up and we want to hear from you more about what you hope is coming up. This is work of the whole church that is messy and moves forward and then backward and involves a lot of different things and a lot of different teams. But it's work that I'm grateful every day that we are engaged in because I can feel the the ways in which it's changing our church as a culture, the ways in which it's changing us each individually, um, spiritually, and the ways in which it's making us a better actor in the world and the ways that the world needs to change to look more like the kingdom. Um, and so we're not there. I don't know that there is a place that you get before the kingdom at the end of the, the world, um, but we are in the work and in the effort, and I think that's where Jesus is. And so I appreciate all of you, um, and I appreciate any feedback that comes after this, and I really, really appreciate our anti-racism team. So I want everybody to give them a huge thank you.